Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. I'm excited to talk about the business of football with my guest today, Mr. Keith Jackson. From 1988 through 1996, Mr. Jackson played professional football as the tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles, Miami Dolphins, and Green Bay Packers. Mr. Keith Jackson finished his career with 441 receptions for 5,283 yards and 49 touchdowns. Divide his receptions by his eight-year career, and you get over 50 regular season. That seems like a lot to me, although I'm not sure. <laughs> well, yep. they're catching more than 100 now. <laughs> Is that right? Well, some guys. Many of you may remember Mr. Jackson as the color commentary for Arkansas Razorback football. Did you recognize that voice? Though Keith is known for by many as an award-winning football player, he is known by the kids in southwest Little Rock, Arkansas as a savior. In 1992, Keith paid his good fortune, faith, and experience forward by founding PARC, an acronym for Positive Atmosphere Reaches Kids a nonprofit organization, and an outreach program for inner-city youths in Little Rock, Arkansas. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table the talented, faith-filled, and generous retired professional NFL athlete, Mr. Keith Jackson. That's a long list of words to explain who I am, but I sure do appreciate it, though. You That's, are a lot. Uh, I mean, can you read that again? Long, faith-filled, that was pretty good. Long, talented, faith-filled, and generous, retired, professional NFL athlete, Mr. Keith Jackson. See, I like that. I like that. I like that. That's great. <laughs> we would have an audience, but, you know, and they'd be, they probably would be clapping right now. But social distances cause us not yeah. have an audience That's tonight. right. We have bumped elbows today, and but no high-fiving. No high-fiving. <laughs> Many people listening to the show want to talk about the business of football today yeah. versus the business of football when you played like head injuries and salaries and social issues. But before we do any of that, mm-hmm. let's talk about your college football career. It was spectacular. Many young men dream of a career such as yours. Did you always know you wanted to play football professionally? Well, I did. You know, as a, as a little kid, you walk around your neighborhood and try to stay out of trouble and you dream about the day of doing something big. You know, some people may want to run a business and some people may want to become a, uh, an artist or a singer. I actually wanted to be a football player. And so I would walk around with an old football, throwing it up in the air, imagine myself catching that big pass on that, that day that you need the last second of the game quarterback throws you the ball you've got to come up with a big play and the crowd goes wild I mean yeah you can go back to probably about six years old me trying to do that and just working from that point on trying to get to the NFL you're so lucky that you had a passion at an early age but for someone who has a passion for football you went to high school at not really a football school 
uh, Parkview is an arts and science school. Yeah, you know, back in those days, <laughs> I tell people I go to Parkview. I, I was I was a cello playing football player, so that's you know right. that's right. I played the cello. So uh, to be at Parkview, and and my mother was big on academics, and and she was big on music, and so all all her kids played instruments. My sister played the piano, my brother played the violin, and I played the cello. And she felt there was a study that came out that said that kids who who play instruments learn faster. And so she was making sure that we learned as fast as we could. And all the football stuff, I had to figure out my own. She didn't know much about football. She didn't care about that. Well, she did. She acted like she didn't care. Along with my grandmother, they were both the same. But once I got older and started talking to their friends, their friends would say, your mother and grandmother used to call us tell you, you got to watch the game. The game's coming on. You got to watch Keith. So they faked it around us, try to act, make me believe that, you know, they wasn't watching the game, but they were really watching. Was your mother a school teacher? My mother's nurse. She worked oh. at Baptist Health for 29 years. And, so education was important to yeah, her. Yeah, she worked her way up to become a nurse, a single parent mom who was out there. And she realized that education was important to get her where she was, where she could take us out of mm-hmm. the inner city where we grew up and into a nice little Did you grow area. up in Southwest Laurel? No, I grew up, actually grew up, I grew up uh, in Elvon off Chester and then High Street. So I was oh, in downtown Laurel. South. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's the area I grew up in. You had an unbelievable college career, but. Not for the Arkansas Razorbacks, which I think people that don't know, you'd be surprised to know that. Instead, you were a Sooner. Right. And you played for the University of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Why have, not the Razorbacks? Well, you know, I get that question. I still get that question. You know how long sure. ago has it been? It's been about 30, 35, almost. 87, yeah, I think. A long 1985 time ago. to 87 or something you a played? A long time ago, <laughs> and I still get that question. You know, it's really interesting because as a 19-year-old kid, I was turning 19, you, you have all these choices in front of you, these different school people telling you different things, pulling on you. Recruiting is tough. It's not only tough on you, but it's tough on your family because you have everybody walking in the door and promising you the world, and you got to filter through that information. And when I filtered through all the information, I thought that, the uh, you know, of course, uh, I mean, the Razorbacks were, were one of the teams I grew up watching, but here's Lou Holtz. He's leaving out the door, and Hatfield uh-huh. is coming in. So that they haven't established that. This is the first year of that happening. Um, the consistency of Barry Switzer over and his ability to recruit was one of them. But the idea that they had just signed this quarterback out of Henrietta, Oklahoma, and had Matt Brown, who became the Texas coach and now is at North Carolina's office coordinator, and as well as, you know, you got to see people like uh, 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 Marcus Dupree, who was that running back. I mean, some great stories of guys you thought you could play with, Spencer Tillman. So having Troy Aikman was a big deal to me. I mean, you know, when you're a receiver, you want a quarterback that can get you the ball. And having the number one quarterback in the nation in Troy Aikman at Oklahoma, going to Oklahoma, it was big on my decision making. Did your parents help you with that decision, or were you just out there with a piece of paper writing it down and going by your emotions, or was your mother going, no, no, go do this? Barry Swisser calls my mother the toughest woman he's ever met because she had to endure the hardship of me going to Oklahoma. Now, at the time, of course, I told you I'm 18 turning 19. I really don't understand the magnitude of being like one of the top players in the country, you know, ranked, and I don't understand the magnitude of being a parade All-American and how small Arkansas is when it comes to having that kind of talent. I just think that I'm a player that want to go play at the place I want to play. She full well understand the whole view, and she stood up for me and fought for me to go to Oklahoma in the spite of the fact that she could have 
lost her job or just some other things bad would have happened to lost her. her job because oh. her son didn't oh, play yeah, for the so razorbacks a lot of threatenings a lot of threatenings i don't let me tell you something i i i i know the whole whole staff the upper staff as a matter of fact i serve as a board member of baptist health there's no way baptist health would do anything like that they are very good way to christian cover. people way to cover. at baptist health but it was this thought process of the outside of people scaring, and then the fact that you know you got rats in your mailbox. We got our house no. toilet paper. Oh yeah, it was it was a bad ordeal, and she just endured it all, and 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 supported me one hundred percent. How can you be such a draft by all these colleges wanting you when you played for Parkview? Who even looks at Parkview for football? <laughs> Parkview was pretty good back in those days. Now when we're thinking about modern day, Parkview has oh. actually changed a little bit. But back in the late seventies and the early eighties. Parkview was a powerhouse. I mean, people like uh, you think of George Stewart, who was a great offensive lineman, and Daryl Mason, and I mean, they they sent several players to the University of Arkansas. They would, in those days, Central High School would send a group of players up, and Hall High would send a couple, and Parkview would send several, and so that was the core and the nucleus of what would build the Razorback football team. And then they bring these guys in from Texas and other places right. to join them. Uh, so Parkview was sending just as many kids up to play at the University of Arkansas at that time as any other school. So they were pretty good in the late 70s and early 80s. So there's not a lot of kids play, being recruited today because not a lot of kids want to play football anymore after all the bad I don't think press. so. I, I, I don't think so. I think that the NFL is taking their lumps. So when you look at um, concussions, concussion, right. that's what we're talking about, mainly concussions, parents are saying, hey, I don't want my kids to play football because of concussions. And the NFL realized that. They're taking their lunk. They're, 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 there are less amount of people who are playing the sport. But right. what they're doing on the other side is they're, they're, t- they're building better helmets and they're putting in better uh, rules to try to protect the players so they're not going to have this physical, uh, physical side of the game that later on they'll be having concussion issues. Now, will concussion still happen? Yeah, because it's a tough game. But they're limiting that. They're creating creating those rules to limit that. The question I always ask people is this. If you have, and I know what an energetic young man I was, and I have the hours between after school and 8 o'clock to do whatever I want to, is that going to cause more problems than the concussions down the line? Absolutely. Uh, no I qu- never thought of no that. You are right all. on. You're going to have more deaths. You're gonna have more more incidents, incidents. Than, than you it would say incidents than you would if you keep them on the field. I think people think it, we t- we make knee jerk reaction to everything. I have three kids uh-huh. and they all play college football. I've got a grandson that's that, that's just this beautiful thing. He will play football. The rules are becoming that they're protecting him. He and if he wants to play football, he'll play football because I know what kids can do. By running a program when they're not doing those latchkey hours. That's you do. <laughs> we, we are going to talk about your program, Park, yeah. and what you do for after school kids. And boy, if anybody can speak to that, you just spoke to it. Yeah. Let's talk about, let's go back and talk about, before we jump into all of that, let's talk about you winning the national championship for Oklahoma. You caught the winning or a winning, there were two touchdowns. Yeah, which touchdown. is the winning touchdown? No, it was a big touchdown. It was a big touchdown. We kicked field goals other than that. Two, two touchdowns. It was a very important part of the game. People say, what is one of the most important plays that you've ever made? It was a 73-yard touchdown. Uh, against Penn State, the game was on the line. It was it, they would score. We played defense. We scored. They played defense, and it was a really close game up until the point of this big play 
that takes over the game. And I remember the the uh, the, the commentator at the time said, "Home run ball, the tight end Keith Jackson. He's out and open to catch the ball, and and the rest is a touchdown." And and so seventy three yards later, I scored his big touchdown. Our defense shut him down. We kicked several field goals, and then my old roommate Lydell Carr goes for a touchdown too. And so we ended up winning the game twenty five to actually uh, to ten. I think the score was and first national championship in a long time for Barry Switzer uh, added to him. And the reason why I went to Oklahoma was to be able to compete and to play for a national championship and uh, and to be able to win one. Well, you lived your dream. I did. I did. Actually, we played for the national championship three times. We just won one. Oh. We had a chance to win three of them. So how'd you get the name Boomer Sooner? You know, what's really interesting is is that it, I, I, I've seen that written places. The, the, the Sooner crew have been yelling Boomer Sooner for quite some time. I, I think that, you know, there's just some times that I've scored some touchdowns and they start yelling it and then it kind of became synonymous with my name. But, but uh, you know, whether it's Sooner Magic or Boomer Sooner, I just I just love the fact of being a part of OU football and having a great career. It's over all there. about team playing, isn't it? It is. It you really know, is. Um, I don't. For everybody that's just listening, you played for University of Oklahoma, and they are Sooners because people mm-hmm. are like, "What does Sooner mean?" Boomer Sooner. They right. are Sooners. They are Sooners. And you all won the nineteen. Was it eighty five or eighty six that you won? And then you played in the Orange Bowl, right? That's so that, that was the championship. State. Yeah. So eighty five was the season we played the game in eighty six for the national championship and beat Penn State and 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 won it. And uh, boy, that was just a, it was just an exciting time. Every kid grows up and they want to win championships. I mean, that's just what. No sense in playing the game unless you're going to win some championships. Mm-hmm. And so I've been able to play at every level and uh, and and play for the championship at every level. Uh, the one the one that got away was high school. Still want to go back to Parkview. We lost to Southside in the championship game. Didn't have our quarterback. Yes, I'm making excuses after so many years. <laughs> if our quarterback <laughs> would have played, it wouldn't have been hurt. I'm not going to say his name on the radio to that get him in trouble. We would have won that game by 30 points. It I wouldn't mean, have been close. Look at the basketball guy that's been playing for the that came back in that hurt his ankle. What's yeah. it, Jones or yeah, Joe? Isaiah Joe. Joe. Yeah, Isaiah I mean Joe. he comes I mean, he back in. It, it makes a difference. It makes you, a huge difference. You can't help it. All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Boomer Sooner, Mr. Keith Jackson, retired NFL tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles, Miami Dolphins, and Green Bay Packers. We'll follow along in Mr. Jackson's illustrious life story as a professional football player. At the end of the show, we'll talk about his current accomplishments at Park, his nonprofit that helps inner city and at-risk children of Little Rock, Arkansas. Stay tuned. Much more to come. Hey, did you know that FlagandBanner.com publishes a free magazine? It's called Brave because no matter who you are, we're all brave at some time. Flag and Banner owner Kerry McCoy loves documentaries, especially of average people doing above average things. So much so that she's created a magazine to tell these stories. Stories of real people just like you. Stories of people who've met a challenge and made an impact. The Brave Magazine staff hopes the stories you read will inspire your own bravery and that you'll recognize it in others. Get your free subscription by signing up at flagandbanner.com. Click the magazine tab. Advertising opportunities available too. Our next edition will be distributed in May. All subscribers will have one mailed to them. And as Carrie says, be brave and keep it up. You're listening to Up in Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with the NFL retired tight end, Mr. Keith Jackson, and founder of the nonprofit Park in Southwest Little Rock, Arkansas. Before the break, we talked about Keith's career at Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma, championships, competing. 
you know, it's a good life, a boy's dream. He's lucky that he always knew he wanted to play football and he got to live that dream. It's a great story. Tell us about the day you got drafted by the Philadelphia Eagle. First of all, did you only go to three years of college? Uh, I graduated in three and a half years. I so those I, years I, yeah, I just graduated. Up. I graduated early. I, 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 I had a philosophy that I didn't like school that much. So I said, graduate early. <laughs> How can you do that and have all that stuff that you're doing? It's really interesting now. Are you real smart? Well, I wouldn't say that. My, What's I, your degree? I've worked hard communications. Actually, oh, communication. no but I, he's so good on the radio. But I worked harder than everybody else. I mean, I, my whole thing is I'm going to work hard and I'm going to get finished. And, and I was very competitive. Uh, my mother's a key to my life. I mean, there's no question. The mere fact that she told me I couldn't play football unless I made good grades it, it made me realize how smart I was. <laughs> At first, I was just acting around, making decent grades. She goes, no more football unless I see good grades. And then that just changed everything for me. And then I started getting, having good grades, get pat on the back for good grades, positive uh, affirmations. And then I started saying, hmm, okay. I'm, everybody's patting me on the back for being a good football player. Now they're patting me on the back for being a good student. And so I want to be an All-American academically, and I want to be an All-American athletically, and I achieved that at Oklahoma also, too. So so to graduate in three and a half years and be an All-American was something I shoot I was shooting for and, and wanted to be one of those individuals that could be able to say, you know, I was a total, a whole kid at the University of Oklahoma. They, uh, I think it was in 2012, I'm not sure, they awarded you the player of the University of Oklahoma awarded you the player of the century. <laughs> I the century. Carrie, I got to tell you a funny story. So I called Barry Switzer up because I don't hear about it till a month later. So I called Coach Switzer up. I said, Coach, I heard I won uh, the offensive player of the century. And he said, yeah. Who did you pay off to get that done? I had Joe Washington. I had he went through Billy Sims, and I had Greg Pruitt, and I had J.C. Watt. He went through all these players that he thought was a little bit better than I was. And I said, "I love you too, Coach." And he just started laughing, you know. But but it was one of those deals. There was a lot of great talent. When you look at Oklahoma, but it may have been the whole package. You made good grades along oh, with. True. That's true. It, you know, it may not have just been the scores or or the statistics. It That's may true. have been the whole package. Well, it does pay off if you if you if you if you really participate wholly in in athletics. All right, and, let's and talk academics. about the day you got drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, okay. right? Yes. What number? Uh, thirteen. That's pretty first damn round thirteen pick. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, it's pretty good. You know, it's really interesting. The money's changed since then. I was, we were going to talk about <laughs> okay. that. What about but it was that exciting. money? It was an exciting time. I'll tell you one thing about it. It's, it, it, it. When I got drafted, I heard somebody say, we rich. And I was like, are we French? You know, with the we side of that thing? I don't know. But <laughs> but I don't, but it's, uh, it was exciting. It's just something that you always want to do as a kid. And you and, and playing uh, at Oklahoma and making plays in the big games against Texas and against Nebraska and against Miami. I knew I was as good as any of the kids out there, so I knew I'd get drafted. I didn't know exactly when and where I was going to get drafted. So getting drafted by Philadelphia in the first round, 13 pick, that was the highest of a tight end it had been at that time. And it was exciting. It really was exciting. Were they a good team at that time? Uh, Philadelphia had a great defense, mm-hmm. and they were really they were really the upper one of the upper level teams. Mm-hmm. Still needed to take one more step to get to the Super Bowl or get to the playoffs, but they were getting there very fast. Had some great players. What was the most glaring difference between playing college ball and playing pro ball? Everybody's good in pro football. I mean, just everybody. Nobody. I mean, there's no 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 nobody who doesn't have talent. When you're out there, you're playing against some of the best in the world. At, at all times. And so in order to make plays, you've got to be pretty good to make those plays. In 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 college, 
you'll have a guy who's not as good. He's he's a position guy. He's out there to try to help his team win, but they're putting him in the right position to do that. In the NFL, they expose that. you got to be good at every position or they will come after you. And so it was so surprising how fast the linebackers were, how big and fast the defensive linemen were. I mean, every position was just physical, fast, I mean, just athletic. So you're 6'3". Yeah. Would you be big enough now? Yeah, still. Yeah, 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 I still be same. I mean, you know, tight ends hadn't changed much in size. They do have bigger blocking tight ends, but really the the tight ends that are really taking the, the world by storm, you take Hunter Henry who's from here who, right. who who's great. Hunter's about about 6'3", 6'4", about 245, 250. He's not going to let you. himself get big. You're right. He's not going to let himself get big because he wants to be able to run against those little small defensive backs that are chasing him and have a chance to catch passes against him. So you have some guys like Gronkowski who is, who's, uh-huh. who's like 265 and can run. But most tight ends are, are, are around 250. Yeah. Uh, so you were at the Eagles from 88 to 91. Why did you leave or did you get traded or what? No, I fought for free agency. That was a great deal. One of my friends came to me and said, every time they talk about free you agency, they talk for you. Yeah, I did. Oh, I did. fought for you. I was one of the, the, matter of fact, the case was called the Jackson Five, believe it or not. Was it yeah. really? <laughs> so it was me and, and, and four of the guys and we fought for free agency. We were four-year guys and there was a debate going on with the NFL and the NFL Players Association about five-year guys getting uh, five-year players getting uh, uh, free agency, uh, so we were kind of caught in the middle. But but I mean, I just said, oh, I will, I'll be willing to use my name to fight for this. I thought it was unfair it was. that a owner could tell me, this is all you're going to get. I don't care how well you play and what good player. I can't test the market to see how much money I can make, and that's it. And you either play or don't play. I mean, I just didn't think that was fair. And and I I was a good enough player at the time <laughs> that I could actually say. Okay, well, we're going to see how this works. And I was willing to take the chance. So what did happen? Well, what happened is the judge uh, judge gave us five days or something like that to find a team or a week to find a team. And uh, and the Miami Dolphins called. Why were you wanting to leave the Eagles? Well, I didn't for, want to leave. For, for increase in pay? Yeah, I didn't want to leave the Eagles, but I didn't think it was fair for someone to put me in a box. So right. literally, I mean, I'm here I am. I'm an all-pro almost every year I'm there. Uh, and then I hold out. Uh, and I didn't make it that year, but I'm there, and the owner tells me, you're a tight end, so you fit in this category, and this is all the money you got. I, and all the books that were being written and talked about, I was the big big play player, even though I was at a position that didn't make a lot of money. Oh, I see. And so I'm going, well, this is not fair, and it's not fair for me, and it's not fair for you. And I just felt like sometimes, you know, you've got to be the one who, who shoulders some of the some of the weight, you know. Yeah. If not me, who? If not you now, a, you're when? You're a leader. You're yeah, a leader. Yeah. And no so idea. I was I was willing to take that chance. Uh, so you left and you went to the Miami Dolphins, yes. right? All right. I had a great career at the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins call. I go down there. I get a chance to play with the great Dan Marino. Oh, wow. Uh, a great story about faith is this, is that I was sitting there and I was watching TV with my agent in Malibu. And Miami's playing against Seattle. And they're in Seattle, and Dan Marino gets knocked out. First concussion, and he, and he goes to the sideline. They don't take his helmet. He comes back in the game. He throws a touchdown, and he doesn't know he threw the touchdown. And I looked at my agent, and I said, I want to play with Dan Marino. The next day, they call. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm so with you. If we could high five, we'd high five right now. The next day, they call. Not only that, I told my agent how much money I thought I was worth a year. Got the it. next day, they offered that amount without us talking to him. That's 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 some that's some faith believe in God stuff mm-hmm. right there, and it worked, and it was, Power it, was so, it is it was so it was so exciting to be able to see that at work, uh-huh. you know. You, you know, and anyway, 
So uh, you worked. You were there two years, ninety two to ninety four. Was three there years, three years, ninety two, ninety three, and ninety four. Yeah. Oh, three years. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. So what is there? Something that happened that made you decide to so, go to the Green Bay Packers? <laughs> I love Don Shula. You know, his wife Mary Ann is from here in Arkansas, and I love them both. But I, Coach Shula said every player who plays on his team can't go home. He said you've got to work out. At that time, players used to go home and come back during all season. Uh-huh. And, and the Dallas Cowboys uh, were having very much success. They won some Super Bowl because they never let their players go home. They made them stay there all year was round and Emmett? work out. Was that That's Emmett Emmett's in time? that group. Yep, mm-hmm. it sure was. Coach Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, and he was the coach at the time. And so, Boy, should have played Coach Shula. I would have watched a lot more. <laughs> you watched a lot more. <laughs> hey, 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 you know what? When you get drafted by the Eagle, you learn how to not like the Cowboys pretty quickly. But oh, but okay. I love Jerry Jones. I always mm-hmm. tell Jerry that I hug him. I love him. I love mm-hmm. Steven. I love Jerry Jr. I love, I love Charlotte. I love the family. They've done a great Right job. there across the bridge in North Florida Rock they're from. And, I'm, and so I do love him. I just, don't, I just can't find myself cheering for the Cowboys because I'm an Eagle. You know, it's Even just, it's today? Tough. Who do you root for when you watch football? If you I, paid for three teams, who do you root for? I root, I root for the teams I played for. Always. And if they play against the other, I root for the team that wins. When, <laughs> when Razorbacks are playing Oklahoma, who do you root for? Oh, that's a question I better not answer. My son still plays for the team. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I better not answer that phone. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the one that thing... That means it's Oklahoma. <laughs> the one thing I... Well, the, the, the coach that coached up there, coaching up there now will coached at Oklahoma too. When I first oh. met Sam Pittman, he was an offensive line coach at Oklahoma. So he's been there too. I, I really, I tell you what, I've enjoyed my time in Oklahoma. I, I, I am so fortunate that I have two teams that I can root for. Uh, that's fun. And, and it was, there's always someone playing. That's right. And the, ba- and, and the bad thing is that the Razorbacks haven't been playing well, but Oklahoma has. So it's kind of like, I'm just kind of riding that. And then when, when Razorbacks play well, I jump back over on that side. So why'd you leave the Green Bay Packers? Uh, so I retired. So I go to the Green Bay Packers. I actually I get traded to the Green Bay Packers because I didn't. Oh, I, I, I didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't oh. want to come through the all, all season. I said, Hey, I, I've got this thing, this vision that God has given me called Park. So that happened while you were at the Miami Dolphins. Well, I started it. I started building it up at, at Philadelphia. I get to Miami and I'm really in raising money with Walter Hussman. He's helping me out at the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. So I'm flying home a lot. I'm having meetings and we're we're actually having these off season or these these things during the off season while I'm still planning to raise money. And so it's it was one of those things where I go, I either listen to the coach or I listen to God. I said, Coach, I can't come during the off season. He said, Well, I'm gonna trade you. And he did. He traded me Green Bay. Best thing that ever happened to him when I went to Super Bowl at Green Bay Packers. <laughs> I actually had an opportunity of getting traded to Green Bay, meeting up with my old good friend Reggie White, who was who was an anchor in my life, and so we got a chance to play two more years together. And Did you say they won the Super Bowl the when year I was you there. Were there, two years. Yeah, one year I was there. We won the Super Bowl '96. So you are just on the winning team everywhere you go. Well, you know, you know. Sometimes you think you're going to the desert, uh-huh. but when you get there, you realize there's something there for you. And so nobody ever wanted to go to Green Bay because it was so cold. It was the place nobody wanted to go. Um, when you look at guys like uh, Mike Holgram and uh, uh, who 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 was the head coach, as well as uh, Ron Wolf, who was the general uh, the general manager, Reggie White and and Brett Favre, and all, they changed that place where players want to go and play at Green Bay. Well, isn't it the first football team ever or something Well, like they that? won they won like the first championships. They yeah, they won like world championships. They had a guy named Lombardi who was a pretty there, good coach. There. Yeah, Lombardi got came along in the 60s and made him a good team. You about Vince Lombardi? Vince Lombardi. With guys like uh, Bart Starr and, and uh, all those good guys. They they had some pretty good players. 
Well, I can't believe you didn't want to go there, but I did. No, cold. I went there for two years. I know, but I can't yeah. believe you were kind of no, like, nobody no, wants I, to go there. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. know, when you an African American, it says uh-huh. a lot, right? You, you don't like cold weather. No, I just you did don't. not like cold weather. Yeah. I, Miami like, was my place. Is there anything you would have done different? No. When you look back through all of that career? No. No, I don't think so. I think that even the bad stuff happened for a, for a reason. I, uh, I I love it when Apostle Paul said, I, I, you know, I rejoice in tribulation because tribulation creates patient and patient experience and experience hope and hope maketh us not ashamed. I think that all those stuff, the bad things that happened, the being traded, the, you know, the, the, the bad games, the drop passes, I think it all works together for some good in your life. It just teaches you something and it makes you a whole you person. It does. It teaches you yeah. something. Every Everyone asked me to ask you about the game today. How does it compare now from when you played things like what is better? What do you think is better? Like, I think you just said safety's better. Uh, but they've been they have enacted changes that you may not like or you may like that. Do they hit as hard now? You know, we, we the old players never like the new stuff. That's just the way it is. No, you can't find an old player that says, oh, I love what they're doing now. We call it modified seven on seven that you tackle every now and then, which means basically seven on seven is when you play without a helmet and shoulder pads and nobody tackles anybody. So we just call it modified seven on seven. But we understand the importance of making the game safe. And we want the game to be safe because we want our kids and our grandkids to play. But all the old players complain in front of everybody going, oh, if the game was safe like this, I'd have played 10 years or 20 years, you know. Well, some of the guys are are playing 20 years. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. It's just not the same physical game. But guys are faster and guys are bigger and there's more money to be made. So it's it's really been interesting, the change of, of how physical the game is. The game is still physical. It's just they protect players from getting those knockout hits. And, so and, I saw and, this, but, this, this pro, I wasn't going to ask you this question, but you made me think about this. I saw this guy on 60 Minutes who's who's had a concussion and he's he's coming and going, but he said he used to get in the dog piles and he used to reach down and find fingers and break them. You know, this is, so that was before me. So the game... <laughs> There was there, there's always been these guys who've been tough in the pile, and there's these stories about you get hit and poked in the eye and fingers bitten. I've, I've been in the pile before, but I think there came a time around the time I got there where people start realizing these people are trying to make money and go home with their families, and you saw a change in play. Back in the 70s, when you saw the Raiders and, 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 and Cleveland Brown, the mistake by the lake and the dog pound. And I mean, those those things you had those you had the purple people eaters, the steel curtains. And I mean, they would just knock you out. They would try to take you out. That's just the way it was. It was a physical football game. And then it became more business. Yeah. And so they said, we, you know, Joe Namath get his leg broken. They said, OK, we got to start protecting players. And so that's why when you look at the fact that you see somebody like a Tom Brady who planned 20 years, how could he yeah. last that long and stay healthy? The football, the co- the quarterbacks are protected a lot more than they used to be. And so you can tackle them, but they are very well protected. And it's better for the game. And so the players start realizing this themselves. So they start making deals. Hey, man, we're not going to go out to each other. They we're not going to try to hurt each mm-hmm. other. And what we're going to try to do is make sure we get through this game. We're going to play physical because we got to keep our job. But we're not going to intentionally try to hurt guys. Do you think the targeting rule of ejecting you after from, for targeting is too strict? I think that, uh, yes, I think it is too strict. I think that. Because some uh, people don't look like they mean to. Well, I think that what you have to do is say is if it's an intentional or if it's a non intentional. I hope they go back and look at that rule and say, after two, if you had two in a game, you get you get kicked out. I mean, you start thinking about the national championship game when you had Clemson versus LSU. Clemson's middle linebacker is one of the best players in the country. I mean, he's as good as any other middle linebacker. And 
when he leaves the game, the game's over. I mean, I think LSU still wins that game, but I think it's harder when they had the linebacker. But because of a targeting call, he's gone. I know. And so even that if you do, seem right. even if you do two targeting in the playoffs, so players stay longer. I mean, so basically doing a season one targeting, you out for a half. That's the rule. You you out and for a whole half and then the come game. back. Right. That's what I'm saying. You get oh. out for a half. Whatever that half is, you got you out for oh, a half. So so but it I think that when you start saying you this so detrimental that one of your key player who didn't try to target somebody get called for targeting they're gone, the game's over. And is it, is the, is, the, is football ever crooked? No, not that I know of. You know, there's all hard. It's hard to point shade. Inflate gate yeah, and all that stuff. Well, oh, yo, yo, yeah, they, they're trying to get every angle they can to win. Whether it's reading pitching signs mm-hmm. or or looking and trying to read people. That's why guys, when they when they're sending the play in, they put the playbook mm-hmm. over their mouth so you can't can't read the lips. No lip readers. They'll find some lip readers. Hey, whatever it takes <laughs> to get an angle to win the game. It's some, a lot of money. Gray. Some people would do. They want to win because if you don't win, you lose your job. You lose your job. You don't make money. So they're gonna get every edge they can and so you would you like to play today love to play today yeah I mean, let me explain this out so there's a tight end that 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 just played for the atlanta falcons in anyway what i mean pretty good player not a bad player just went to the cleveland brown for 44 million dollars a four-year deal for 44 million dollars now at the max my best contract i made 1.6 Oh, just think what you could do for the kids at Park. Oh, if I made more money, you can make more money. You could do more things. And so because of the money, I love to play. But not only that, because of the longevity of career, the fact that they're protecting players so players can play longer. You have two sons. Is one of them still playing in the NFL? No, no, no. One played. He's done. I have one that's a senior. Yeah, he's got drafted by uh, St. Louis and played a couple years and then went to San Diego and played a year. And now he's done. Keith Jr. Uh Uh, Kenyon was a senior this year at at, uh, University of Illinois. Had a great great career under Levy Smith, who was the head coach up there. They they finally made it to a bowl game this year, made it to the Red Box Bowl in California, <laughs> so, so he's bowls. done. And then Quillen's a red shirt junior at the University of Arkansas. Well, I'm going to watch him. Yeah, he's pretty good. I didn't know that. What's yeah. his name? No, Quillen Jackson. I'm going to watch yeah, for him. What's three. He, what position He's he a wide receiver. He plays oh, wide receiver. Oh, he is. Yeah, he catches the ball down the field. And run. So he's fast. Yeah, he's fast. He's fast. I, w- I would love to race him at the same age, though. We talk about that all the time. I go, if I was your age and we race, I think I'd beat you. Competitive to the <laughs> day he dies. He weighs 200 and about 10. I weigh 245. What do you think about the social statements that they're making at the football game? Like uh, like who was that? Colin Kaepernick, Kaepernick. took a knee during the right. national anthem. Should social influence be a part of football? Social influence has always been a part of sports. It really has it's been. It's always been a part. And it always be. I, you know, I remember being, uh, I, I remember just seeing the, the two guys at the Olympics uh, holding up the black fist saying that, you know, that's it, right. It, it, it's it was a stage and an opportunity to say that we've been treated wrong, and 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 I'm I'm at a point where I can magnify that. I think that you got to be really careful how you do it, right? I think that. Um, well, his was a silent protest, yeah. which I thought was if you're going to protest, I thought it was nice because he was silent. He, for people that don't know, right, he took a knee. He took a knee during right, the during national, national anthem. anthem. And, there, and there's still some people who take seats during the national anthem. I think that to some people, when you look at Kaepernick, he's a guy who just was bringing out information and letting the world know, hey, here's what's happening uh, with our with the police force that's In happening. Our community and so we that want, you may not we know. want to bring out attention. This is my way of doing it. You know, America takes that flag 
Seriously. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. Oh, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> hey, I don't know. I don't know. A place like Flag and Banner, they probably bought more flags during that time. But America takes I that flag seriously. I did sell a serious. lot of flags when that was going and, and, and on. And so the thing about it, and I do too. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm a guy who says I love the fact that, that a player has that much control, whether it's LeBron James or Colin Kaepernick, how they use that. Is, is different, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so you got to be very careful how you use it because it, it, it cost it, him it his, Did it cost him his career? I don't know. He actually hadn't played again. Oh, so but, it did? But he hadn't played again. Uh, he's trying, he tried to get on a team. Uh, you know, Kaepernick played, had a great season uh, out at San Francisco. They, when they, they, they made it all the way up to the end. I mean, he played great. Mm-hmm. But then the, the rules changed a little bit and he wasn't as successful. So, you know, the question is, should he get an opportunity to play again or not? That's up for the team to, to, that's for the, to make decisions. Yeah, that's for yeah. yeah. Uh, so what do you think about college athletes should receive pay endorsements? <laughs> I, I actually believe that all college athletes should receive pay. I don't think it should be from an endorsement situation. But I, I am smart enough to realize the issue is there's just not enough money to go around. And uh, Title IX is not going to allow that to happen for every athlete to get paid. Uh, What's Title IX? So basically, you know, when you so the female side gets everything the male side get. So so even though there's not as many people going to see some of the female sports, they still get the same thing. So if you decide to play a player over here, something you got to pay. Uh, they don't sell the seat, you, they don't sell the tickets. Right, but still, you got to everything is equal. equal. Everything has to be equal, and that's good. We need For to be college. forced. Uh-huh. We need to be forced to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I I love the fact of doing that. My philosophy was, and, and and nobody's asked me, but I've had this conversation: is a needs basis, not by the fact you play a sport, just by the fact you have needs. So whether I'm the girl on the track team or the guy on the track team, if I come from a situation where my parents don't make a certain amount of money, which they get that with Pell Grants and and different things at school, but I think there should be a little more emphasis put on that. Uh, uh, So I saw the athletic director, Hunter. I cannot say his last name. You're a check. Thank you. Thank you, Keith Jackson, uh, at a luncheon. And I saw him speak, and somebody in the crowd, when they did the Q&A, asked him that very question. He said he didn't have a problem if they wanted to get endorsements, but he said they cannot use the mascot. So how many of these kids, and I never thought of it like that, he said how many of these kids are going to want to go, how many uh, companies are going to want to advertise with a kid who can't say i play for the razorbacks or where any of well, the mascots where, where, where is highway robbery is when you see a guy like zion williamson at duke university and i'm a duke fan and i go to duke games and and i'm sitting there going and i'm looking at every night duke university is on tv uh-huh. and 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 his following is huge i mean and, and they're selling a number one jersey and i started thinking to myself i mean here's a guy who should be participating in some financial way. Michael Jordan, when he played in college, he was so good that he changed the game. There are certain guys who change the college game where they're gonna sh- they're gonna show them on TV more. Everybody's gonna be at the crowd. They're gonna but buy the jersey. But if they can't say from Duke, yeah, what well, don't make a difference. Nobody. I mean, Zion Williams. Oh, so has you no think that he I think should he be able to big, sell Duke and then get a he, cut of as it? Lo- as long as no, as long as he wears blue and white and he say I'm Zion Williams, he's in good shape. He's okay. I don't uh-huh. think he doesn't have to. He, he doesn't have to wear the logo. That's the same thing. I mean, you know, it'd be like Sidney Moncrief back in the day. I mean, who don't know to Sidney Moncrief? 
is is a Razorback basketball player. I mean, literally, you okay? They could have did a triplet, sell cars. You know, I'm triplets. We're selling cars. We're the triplets. They're only wearing red and white. There's no. There is a way to get it done. Uh, I I just don't think that's fair for the other players. I just don't think it's fair for the because it is a team sport. It's a team sport. I mean, uh, I I think I think that there's a situation where players know. Uh-huh. They look at a guy and go. He's really good. He's okay. the one. He, he's better than we are. I mean, he's you, you just one. come to inclusion. And in and, 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 and that sense, he's making us money. He's giving us more time. And so he should, he deserves, she's deserving the market share. Yeah, we're getting more airtime because of him. Right. We're going to get to go to tournaments right. because right. of him and all that stuff. So, you know, speaking of a team sport, I love how the new basketball coach has all the coaches wearing the same color. Have you noticed that? I did not. I did not. But that's so good, though. Every time we play my basketball game, all the coaches on the sideline are wearing the same shirt. I like that. Yeah, I like that. I like being uniform, and that's what it is. You know what's really great is that he understands the importance of of being a team player. And so after the game, he he actually will wear the logo shirts of some of the the investors or or, or whatever you call them. But he's he's been great. Musselman has been great. Musselman. Yeah, Eric Musselman. He's been great. He's 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 you know he's, he's bringing only five, a lot six. of talent. He's not tall at all. I've been with him. <laughs> <laughs> I hung out with him. But I tell you what, he's tall when it comes to picking players. He's got a great recruiting well, it's class coming in. His wife is the recruiter. Well, she, well, no, that means he's good. If you see his wife, you know he's a good recruiter. <laughs> 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 and she has family from Arkansas. Oh, no yeah, kidding. she did. We had I had a chat with her, and she's talked about it over again. I want to say Magnolia, but I may be wrong. But well, but uh, yeah, she has family. Well, from we've got to talk about Park before we get finished. Okay. I love talking to you, Keith. Uh, I want to tell everybody that you've been listening to Up in Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with the NFL retired tight end, Mr. Keith Jackson, and he's also the founder of the nonprofit Park. You said on Park's website. You had a vision from God about helping teenagers overcome the obstacles of violence and troubled lives, and that as you got older, eventually graduating from the University of Oklahoma and retiring from the National Football League, you were able to develop your vision of creating a place that will give kids hope, strong values, and confidence. Tell us about your vision. You started telling us a little bit about it and where this passion from this vision comes from. Well, the one thing about it is, is that I I actually go to sleep. There's there's a verse that talks about old men dream dreams and young men have visions, right? And so I go, well, I'm young at the time, so I'm going. This is a dream and not a vision, but but I mean, this is a vision, a vision. not a dream. And so I have this vision, uh, and it's clear. I think that God speaks to us through visions, and and and, and so um, describe a vision. So a vision is is when God shows you the end of something. And then he tells you to come back and create the beginning, just like he does. So you can see the end of all the kids being at park and all of them graduating and all of them going to college and all of them having uh, families and all of them having a nice house and driving nice cars and good jobs. You see the end of it. But then, in, you know, in 1995, you have to come back and start the beginning. So this is our 25th anniversary. So is that anniversary. what people mean when they say dream big? Well, dreaming is different now. Now, a dream is just something that you that a, a experience of one time that you know something big is going to happen in your life. A vision is takes a little while to carry out. So when I talk to young people and I say, "Dream big, as yeah. big as you can dream." Dream as big as you can dream. But you're saying they're not really the same. Well, thing. the vision, the vision. The, so a, a dream, and to me, is specifically is something that is for you. 
right? You're having these dreams or something that has occurred. A vision is more where you're leading people, where it's more people oriented. And, 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 you, and you know, we may have a biblical scholar call us more and go, that's exactly wrong. But old men will dream dreams. So when you say old men dream dreams, they're at the end of their age. They're having dreams of what's happening right now, what needs to happen. Young men have vision because it's going to be a stretch of time. I like it. Okay. Well, I didn't create it. It's in a book. <laughs> well, you explained it well. I like it. So I have this vision of taking these kids who will struggle academically, who will probably be the kids that that will be the problems down the line. You bring them in from the seventh and eighth grade, rising eighth graders, and you keep them for five years. So you're able to create a holistic approach to change. All this is in the vision. I'm, I'm not smart enough to figure this out. I'm a communication major at the University of Oklahoma, but this vision is so strong and so clear about taking these kids, attacking them, attacking their deficiencies, raising their GPAs, and helping them go to college. And you know, we, when these kids started, you know, they thought a D meant doing good. They didn't know it meant something bad. And so over the years, and they thought the F, the flag was important too. So, so. <laughs> so, F for flag. F for D flag. for doing good. <laughs> for All doing right. Good. And, so, and so over the years, what we've done is we've been able to attack those deficiencies and send, and send hundreds of kids off to college. And so it's been really exciting. Uh, we almost had 100 kids going to college. But, but it's been really exciting to see that vision from the beginning of doing this deficiency attacking and then spirit, soul, and body. So this is a holistic approach to change. You know, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And when you complete all that and get rid of all the negativity around all that, you create a really strong change. I call them change agents. There are forces out there. They're the kids that I have that have jobs in the community that, that are changing lives. How also. do they get involved in your program? So basically we work with the Little Rock School District and the Plastic County School District. So you're closed right now because of the coronavirus? Yes, we're shut down now because of the virus. When the school district shut down, we shut down. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing. The kids can't come there. Uh, but we're also talking to them every day by phone, making sure they're getting on the laptops and doing their homework well, and, I saw and all that, that stuff. You were posting to the website, and the yeah. website is posted Positivekids.org. Positive Kids.org. And then I saw you have a graduation coming up. Yes, I do. So who is that? Our 25th graduation. So what we do is we take the students who've been in the program for five years, and, and, and some drop out, but some stay in, and those we have a graduation from. And our kids come from uh, schools that are in the, in, the, in the county and schools that are in the city, so it's a colorful graduation. So you have the orange of Hall and the green of Mills. You know, you have all the <laughs> – and they walk down. We have our own graduation. Uh, and, and, and then you have reunions. And then we have a reunion that we that we had to cancel. That was going to be on April 18th, where we're that. inviting all of our kids back that have been in the program. Over 1,300 kids have been in our program. And we're talking about teachers and, and that's been a part of the program, as well as uh, 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 board members, staff, everybody. So is it mostly an after-school program? It is an after-school program. Is it a weekend yeah. program? Uh, no. It's only after school. after school. It's and only summertime. helping kids with. It's almost like tutors. Yeah, but have you tutors, have a lot of litters. facilities there. You have basketball, racquetball courts. You you know we're competing against the outside world, so we want to give them something just as good to do on the inside. I mean, we got and a how do theater. They get involved? How do they sign up? Do so they... basically, we we go through the counselors at the school, different school district, and we're looking for a kid who's struggling oh. academically. Has has a lower GPA, and we 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 go through them, and then we tell them to take that. They take their stuff on their parents. They bring it back, and then we call the parents and say, "Here's What's the what we do." Number one reason that they have a low GPA. Well, I want to say my program does a great job of changing it. I, I will say that just the 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 lack of awareness, the importance of education. 
structure in their home life? No, nah, some people. Yeah, some people. I, you, you, some people you'll say that, but I, I think it's importance of understanding why it's important to have uh, education. So if you grew up where your family was a hardworking family, but they never talked about going to college. I gotcha. To you, even though you work hard, the parents work hard or the mother works hard and she goes to work every day and she puts food on the table, she's just not aware that this thing called and education. she can't hardly can, dedicate right. any time to you because right. she's working she's so hard. She's working so hard. So we become the second parent. And we bring them in and we attack the deficiencies and help and, them with their homework and, and stuff. And you find these kids through your own outreach program that goes to the school and says, I need, I, know, I want some at-risk kids that you think we could help. So we've been great partners with the school district, Pax County Special School District, as well as Little Rock uh, Public School District. And so we've been very good partners with them and, and we've enjoyed that. And, and, and we, we say we change together because we still use them along the way. So we're having conversation with the teachers and the counselors and all that along the way. So I'm just bowled over by your success and all the things you do and your vision. What do you see going to happen to Park from going forward? You're just going to keep doing the same, same, or are you going to grow it some more? Or how? You, what's your What's your next dream? Well, this year is uh, this is 2020 is a year of vision. So, vision, oh, 2020. Yeah. So we're we're in this year of vision. What's happening yet? And and I told I told my board members I said um, my vision is is that we be better. We've been we've done a great job at this point. How do we become better for the next twenty five years? You're still passionate about it. Oh, I love going to work every day. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting around the house staring my fingers, going, "What's next? Let's get back to work." You go every day. I'm at park every day that I'm not traveling to football games or headed out of town. Are you? Uh, so are you still doing radio? No, 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 no I'm not no. doing radio anymore. No, I, I gave that up because I had one kid go to Illinois, one go to Arkansas. Those are the games you're going to. Yeah, those are the games I'm traveling Keith, to. Keith, thank you so much for sharing thank your story. You. I have a gift, although we can't hardly touch, so I'm just going to set it over okay, here. Okay, set it over here. Oh, let you, oh, oh it's team. Oklahoma I got and Arkansas. Oklahoma on there together <laughs> and the flag. Hey, a lot of people die for that flag. I really love that flag, and I'll fight for it for the rest of my life, too. So, No, thanks. You're so yeah. good. Oh, are, oh, oh, what? Can what? I just say one thing sure. before I go? Yeah. You know that every school that we had a graduate from, we've had a lot of schools graduate from, we come to Flag and Banner to get a get a flag made of those schools. And so in front of Park, there's like 15 different flags of 15 different colleges and universities. And when you walk in, it is so impressive. You know, I haven't been out to park in a long time. You need to come see all those flags that you've created for us. I do need to. When you first built that place, I came out there and I heard you telling this story that you wanted to do that. And I spoke with someone. It wasn't you. And I haven't. And I think my salespeople have been helping you ever since. Thank you so much. It's awesome. Awesome. Listen, I want to thank everybody for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, contact me, Gray, at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting and upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcasts wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream. 